All right, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm your host, Cameron Tabatabai. I'm with Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg. It is Tuesday afternoon between games four and five. We've got a lot to talk about. So let me welcome in our guest, Boston's own Avenue. Avenue, how are you? What's going on? I'm great, man, especially after last night's game. Sure. Yeah, I think I think everyone in Boston, I mean, I had a lot of teachers in the hallway kind of like pull me aside to talk about the game. Um, I think everyone's buzzing a little bit. Um, Alex, Justin, we good? I know that everyone's kind of sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> sleepy for sure. But here's the thing. Al Horford is giving me life and the strength to get through this day. If he can do it, then I can do it. <laughs> cool. I like that mantra. Uh, Avenue, you're here because you know a thing or two about the Boston sports scene, but we also love musicians on the Celtics Club pod. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and we're going to jump right into what we call the lab portion of the programming. So Avenue, I'm going to start with the music. If you would, how did you, how did you start uh, your music career? Um, honestly, I was just kind of playing around with it. as like in my, in my later, like teen years and um, going into my early twenties, I just started putting out music. So at first it was just something I kind of was just popping up doing and service in the neighborhood. It was more so like, very closed in and intimate. And then uh, as I got into my 20s, I just started putting on platforms like YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. SoundCloud and stuff like that. And it just started picking up, getting traction. People just was really, really rocking with me at a young age. You know? so cool. I, just kinda, and, uh, I think I know the answer to this question, but when did the Celtics fandom start? Oh, man. So I used to uh, get my hair cut a block up from my house at this barbershop. I grew up in the south end, Lower Roxbury section of Boston. And there was this barbershop called Loose Ends, mm-hmm. and, um, located on Tremont Street. And Antoine Walker was a, was a frequent there. So I remember he used to have like the champagne bins. And um, <laughs> he would pull up, go in, get his hair cut. Um, you know, I was young at the time, so I probably was like seven or eight. And um you know, I just, that was my first real experience with like a professional athlete, but um, my father, me and my father used to go and do balcony seats, man, back when they were like $10, yeah. $20, and, and Coach Willie Mays was one of the announcers. He grew up with my father, so by halftime, we, you know, he would wave us down from the balcony to kind of get us a little bit closer, but I would say it started when I was like six or seven for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm also from the Boston area, and so it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I think somewhere in my mom's house is like an Antoine Walker jersey for the YouTube <laughs> crowd, like about this big. You know, the wiggle, he used to do the wiggle and everything. Yeah. Like, it was like, he carried <laughs> yeah. the momentum from Kentucky. So when he was at Kentucky, you played with Wayne Turner, who's also, mm-hmm. from, who's also from Boston. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I got familiar with Antoine Walker. And when he got drafted to the Celtics, it was like, it was a no-brainer for me. Avenue, how did you feel for the first Antoine Walker trade? What take us back to that moment? <laughs> Yo, honestly, man, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken when Antoine Walker got traded, man. Um, one because that was really like the first NBA duel that I got to see for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like him and Pierce together, I felt was just like a crazy combination. So just to see them get separated and um you know, just to kind of see how his career went to after that, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It was just kind of like, for me, it was just distasteful. You know, he did get an NBA championship. He did have some success with the Mavericks, but, you know, it took some time. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And uh, so I bet we're about the same age. This trip down, like, early 2000s memory lane. 
Yeah, we should do an off-season podcast just about Ricky Davis because the day that he got traded <laughs> to the Celtics was so yeah. fun. Um, all right, a little more recently. So, Avno, you did the voiceover work for, uh, I guess, the promo of the hype video for the Celtics the video going into us. this series. Um, tell us how the sausage gets made. Who contacted who? How long did it take? All that jazz because it's um, a great video. So, I, I, ironically enough, man, like I've been I've been navigating in this space for a while um, since my early twenties. I'm thirty now. You know what I'm saying? So I finally just like reached the point where like my network and, and a lot of my friends are just ending up in like cool seats. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like they get to sit in and, and, and be a part of certain meetings and conversations. So um, Brett Hampton, he does yeah. work with Celtics right now. That's a real good friend of mine. I've known him probably like the past 10, 15 years uh, or so. And just kind of just seeing his work. He used to do music as well. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So he's had a couple different phases. Uh music and he did the comedy and i remember when he got his camera you know what i mean he was telling me how he was getting into photography and how serious he was going to be taking that and um a couple years back he he was uh he started moving around with jason tatum you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and then i think recently if i'm not mistaken the Celtics just just hired him i'm not sure of his exact position but i know that he handles a lot of the editing of the videos yep. and so forth a lot of the online content and um he reached out to me said that he was in a meeting gave me a heads up and my name had came up in the meeting and he just let the people that was involved know that he has a working relationship with me, a good relationship with me. He connected the two dots. Was this like during game two of the Nets series or like beginning yo, of the so, season? So, so. Yo, it's a crazy story, yo. So he reached out to me on a Tuesday. Um, we had already we had already swept Brooklyn at this time, but I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chicago – Chicago was still playing Milwaukee. That's when Milwaukee played last series, right? Yeah. There was like a long, like almost like a week between. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a series, week. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was actually the, the night I recorded that, the night that Milwaukee eliminated Chicago. But it was more so like for me, it was like an urgent thing. I believe it might have been a Thursday. No, it was mm-hmm. a Wednesday. Right. But I had to get four wisdom teeth pulled out on that Thursday. So it was like <laughs> urgent for me that I got it on that Wednesday. I didn't want to mess out on the opportunity. I was nervous because I'm like, oh, man, what if they stretch the series? So the Bulls figure out a way to pull it out. Then it changes and my mouth is all messed up. But that's how that happened. Uh, I'm glad you got it. And we did a podcast, I guess, like last season where my mouth was completely numb because I was just at the dentist. And <laughs> It's it's a weird feeling to try to perform. Yeah, <laughs> under the, I'm just now getting getting back. Uh, yeah, that one's uh, that one's such a weird one. I had a really protracted experience with that, but that's not why people are listening to this podcast. Our dental history. <laughs> um, all right, so for folks who don't know, I mean, the video is great. I hope they they keep your number on file um, because that like hometown flair. We've talked a little bit about how the Celtics social media is a little less buttoned up this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm loving how they're handling this. And it's cool that they're collaborating with. Yo, shout out to Brad Hampton, man. I think a lot of that content and a lot of that work is him, man. So shout out to him. Inner city kid, worked his way up the ranks and found himself in like a, a dream job. You know what I'm saying? And I remember when he, when he, I'll be tripping off of it because I remember when he first got the camera and how serious and the rebranding. So I'm mm-hmm. super proud of him and his accomplishment, especially being from the backyard. Sure. All right. Shout out to, I mean, uh, for any Celtics fan listening, if you don't follow him on Instagram already, it's just like you get such great content yeah. game after game after game. Um, speaking of great content, game four was pretty good, huh? 
Um, let's do this. I got three people in front of me and I've got four names in front of me. Avenue, you can pick one of the four people to talk about. Horford, Tatum, Smart, or Jalen. Who do you want? Um, I'm going to say Horford. After, right. He's after all yours. Game. Tatum had 30 as well, but um, I feel like Horford really stepped it up on both ends. Uh, defensively, he's kind of been bringing it all series or so all playoffs defensively, just with his transitions and filling up his filling up uh, uh, gaps uh, in the defense. But um, just his movement, man, honestly, yeah. from his three point shooting to his his penetration to guarding Giannis, Trent switching on KD or Kyrie, and how he's able to manage. But he came up big for us, man. The rebounds, offensive rebounds, can't say enough. All right, I, I'm going to go to Alex. Alex, you can have Tatum, Smarter, Jalen. Cam, uh, I'm going to level with you, man. I think I'm going off script. I don't want to talk about any of these guys. As great as they were with Tatum, Smart, and Jalen, I think Tatum and Smart in particular were wonderful. But I am going to talk about the Celtics' unsung hero for these past two games, my man, Derek White. Well, that's my been... man. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is so you save it all for yourself. Okay, I see how this is. Okay, yeah, let's hear about Derek. I love this. Fantastic. All right. So my man Derek White has been hearing the slander that a lot of people were talking about him on the internet. The fact that people out here saying that the Derek White trade was a bad trade, or that we shouldn't have given up the unprotected pick in 2028, or something like that. Or, man, Derek White needs to learn how to shoot. If there's anything, you know, that Derek White can do to shoot the ball better, then we'll win this series. Here's the thing. Derek White has been doing exactly what has been asked of him this whole time, and Mm y'all are just starting to notice it. Derek White is not here to necessarily hit a ton of shots, although he did last night shoot a pretty efficient number from the floor and get his scoring opportunities when he needed them. What Derek White is here to do is be super switchable in small ball lineups on defense. And throughout the fourth quarter last night, when Grant Williams was getting burned at the stake, as good as Grant Williams has been playing well lately, he really struggled in last night's game. With Robert Williams out with an injury, with Daniel Tice looking almost completely unplayable, who did the Celtics turn to down the stretch to be the fifth guy in their closing lineup? They turned Mm -hmm. to none other than Mr. Derek White. Ime put him in uh, for a small ball unit with uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, although he was in foul trouble, so also a little bit of Peyton Pritchard in there, Al Horford and Jason Tatum at the four, and Derek White held up his end of the bargain. He switched on everything. He frustrated Giannis out on the perimeter. He came in for key help and doubles when needed, and he didn't let any open shots happen. He has quietly been brilliant this whole series, and I think he deserves his flowers. So Derek cool. White. Hell yeah. Love that. All right, JQ, I'm not going to give you a script then. Anyone on the team you want to talk about or the sideline? I'm going to go with two of the players in conjunction uh, because they deserve some flowers as well. Uh, I wouldn't say I slandered them so much as was fairly honest in my writing about them being 
a fairly big part of the reason the previous game did not go so good, and that would be Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did move the ball much more in this game. They did. I mean, Tatum had some problems with his shot in the first three quarters, but he really did find a way to score. Uh, that small ball unit that Alex was talking about is a big part of what opened up the floor for him. Uh, and that that neat little backdoor thingy that, that Smart was doing late in the game, too, to find ways to score. He just kept sneaking up on kind of like this obtuse angle to the basket um, was really critical as well. So I think that they both deserve some some kudos for getting past whatever deer in the headlights crap that was messing with them. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what it was really other than maybe the the shift in the in the coverage uh for uh brooke lopez besides that i i I didn't really see them do too much different from one game to the next yeah Uh, i mean i i was at my sister's wedding as maybe some of us know so i didn't see game three yeah i know my socialite uh evenings you know um so i don't really know much about the transition but really the transition didn't occur until late in the third quarter i mean smart and Tatum looked okay, but not great until the, the tail end of game four. Um, Avenue, back to you. Yeah. What do you think? What did you see about how the Celtics are approaching Giannis? Uh, because yes, he is nearly averaging a triple double for the series, but it's not a very efficient one. Um, do you like what you're seeing? Do you want to see something different? What, what's a read on how the Celtics are handling Giannis? Um, honestly, for for what we have. I feel like we're hand, handling him pretty well. Um, I did see Giannis hit a couple mid-range shots yesterday, like mm-hmm. right outside of the arc, which I'm, nobody's accustomed to. And uh, from three-pointies, as far as the playoffs, he's shooting terrible. I remember them showing a stat. It was like four for 28 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not really impressive. But, um, you know, the thing is, Horford can't play – like nobody could really play too much on him. He's so long that he can stretch by you. He has a really decent first step. I'm not going to say really good because I'm, I'm a Giannis hater. <laughs> he has a really decent first step. Um, but as far as yesterday, I do kind of like how we've been playing and as far as with our personnel. Um, even Robert Williams in certain transitions when he, when he is playing um, is pretty good. But, I mean, it's Giannis, man. It's, it's, it's hard to stop Giannis. I'm more so like, worried about the supporting cast, you know? So like when I see Drew Holiday getting his stuff off or when I see Brooke Lopez doing as he pleases, he had a decent first quarter, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, that bothers me, you know what I'm saying? But if we can contain Giannis the way that we've kind of been with, like moderate, he's going to get his points regardless. Yeah, you know contain with air quotes. Yeah, you know, but if we could cut that back just a little bit, um, maybe keep him off the free throw line too a little bit more. I feel like if we do that, we'll be decent, but you know, that comes down to the rest. So. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would add to that. If he's going to go to the free throw line, make it count. Um, yeah. I'm not advocating cheap shots or violence or anything <laughs> like that, but if they're going to call tic-tac fouls, you got to play physical. Yeah, make it worth it. Right. And uh, we don't need to get into this. Oh, actually we'll get into the refereeing stuff later, but the box are playing more physical for most of the game last night. So that yeah. the, imbalance and fouls called I think is more about how Milwaukee was playing than Scott Foster but we'll get into that later in the podcast um I'll stick with you Avenue what are you looking for in game five coming home honestly um just more scoring man more out more consistency from Tatum as far as I want to see more of what I saw in game four 
Um, so I would love to see him have another 30 point game. Uh, I would love to see uh, smart. I would love to see them push the rock more, honestly. Like I mm-hmm. see them slowing the ball down a lot and getting in the sets and, you know, it works for them too, but I would just love to see, I feel like they have transition players that are pretty good. Um, granted Milwaukee's a pretty good team in transition as well defensively. So that does cut back uh, on that end, but I would like to see a lot more fast paced transition. Cause I feel like it does take Milwaukee some time to get into their sets. Yeah. They're an older team too. And Alex, um, what are you looking for in game five? Two things I'm looking for. The first thing I'm looking for is a bounce back game for Grant Williams. Um, I oh. think that he struggled for sure in game four, particularly down the stretch. And his confidence is going to be really important for the rest of this series. Um, we still got, uh, I think, a pretty tough best two out of three coming soon. Uh, and we're going to need Grant out there and we're going to need him playing at a high level. So that's my first thing. And then uh, my second thing is a team goal, and that's just stop turning the ball over. The Bucks have gotten so much stuff off of turnovers, just like easy runouts. It's not a stretch to say that the Bucks are at their best when they are in transition coming off of a leak out, off of a turnover. Force them to play half court the whole time. Limit the turnovers. Make smart cuts. Don't force it with passes. Marcus, I think was doing a was not doing a great job of this for the first three quarters and really the difference for him in the fourth quarter is that he settled in and started making easier reads uh with that small ball lineup there was a little bit more cutting and uh it was a little bit more fluid he he could just kind of make simple passes rather than trying to thread the needle more of that less turnovers less high risk thread the needle type of passes just take care of the ball Dustin what we well, I think we already talked about it a little bit, but the foul trouble with Jalen Brown and, and the team more generally kind of forced that small ball lineup. I would like to see more of that because it seemed like it worked really, really well. Uh, more of the way that they have been playing that effectively keeps Giannis very, very engaged on both ends of the floor. So that way, by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, he is just completely exhausted as he has been the last two games. They didn't get the calls in the first of those those two meetings because they were complaining to the refs too much. You didn't see too much of that in this last game. And I think that when you combine, you know, taking care of the turnovers uh, and not complaining to the refs, not not creating opportunities for the Bucks to come downhill, basically on Mm -hmm. possession. Uh, that is really the key to, to prevent them from feeling confident, from feeling into it. You just make them work for every little thing through every moment of the game. The depth that the Boston has and that small ball lineup combined, I think, could even see a blowout at TD Garden. So that's what I'm looking for. Oh, I love that. I, yeah, I was going to say exactly that, that the Celtics are eight and a half to nine deep, depending on how you feel about Daniel Tice when Robert Williams is healthy. That gives them a lot of flexibility. And Again, I, I'm not advocating to start a fight, but you have more fouls to give than the Bucs. You can get physical because it doesn't compromise your, your depth. Um, but we'll talk more about uh, the rest of the series in a little bit. Avenue, I want to talk to you about your music career, but first I want to talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, news, and developments in sports, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, and all the big fights, and even next season's NFL futures. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, and of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Avenue. Uh, let's let's merge basketball and music. Um, Marcus Smart has uh, been on some tracks before. Jalen Brown makes beats. Uh, people in Celtics past have dabbled in the music uh, scene. Everyone from uh, uh, Marquise Daniels to Bill Walton and um, the Grateful Dead. Anyone Celtics past or present, who would you like to uh, record music with? Um, does it have to be somebody that makes music? Uh, no. I, w- I want to see where you're going with this, so no. <laughs> um, honestly, I would say Piss, man, because I feel like he's, he's just an energy <laughs> guy, right? And I, I see how he operates and navigates when he's off the clock. So to have that energy, that's more so what the vibe is like in the studio. I don't want to say too much, but, you know, his, his uh, at-home videos is, is similar to a degree to the vibe of being in the studio. So, and I'm sure I could get some bars out of him. If not, then, you know what I mean? I'll write him. I bet he, yeah, I bet he would have fun, <laughs> I bet he'd have fun with that. Um, Alex, Alex is in a band called Divine Sweater uh, Avenue. Alex, who would oh, you like right. to uh, make music with? Oh man, um, I want to hear some of Jalen's beats. I'm really interested to see what those would look like, and I feel like we could make something cool. I could give him a baseline or two to play around with. <laughs> I'd love that. Uh, yeah, all right, Jalen, if you're listening, you got. Let's all three of you. Um, Avenue. I'm going to amend the question a little bit. So we had Jack Harlow, Game One, uh, Gucci Mane, and uh, was was Meek Mill in like in the building? I believe he oh, was. Thanks. No. I'm not sure. I didn't see Meek. I did see Gucci and Jack Harlow. Oh, I saw Gucci too, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, I the inter- the intern in our notes. Um, so, first of all, like in this moment, Avenue, who do you think should show up at game five? Who's a, a celebrity, Boston or not? A celebrity? Shit. Honestly, um, from the town, um, I think Bia should be there. I like Bia, the girl Bia. She got the record with J. Cole right now. Yeah. Paul yeah. That's a good, a real good friend of mine. I've known her for some years as well. we'll be is she? Is she from Boston? She is from. Well, she she is from Boston. Yeah, she is from. Boston. Okay, I was at the Bad Bunny concert. She, they put her on screen, and people went nuts, and I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, she is from Boston. Okay, let's get her there. Great. I, uh, Alex, Justin, um, my pick is David Ortiz. I just anytime you put him on a big screen, people go nuts. The the thing is, I I feel like you gotta have Stiz there for the energy. Like yeah, cool. Boston's, you know, he's, he's Boston's boy. He's really blowing up right now. Like you got to get him to one of these games. Justin, anyone uh, come to mind? Well, I can't get Guru to come back uh, from the grave. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I would really like to hear more from Marcus Smart because those tracks that he dropped were actually pretty good. And when it, <laughs> when it comes to NBA players doing, doing hip hop, I have low expectations. So yeah. I'd like to see more of that. Mixed record. Um, Avenue, and then Justin Alex, you have an answer. I'm, I'm going off script. Do you have a memory as a fan growing up of a celebrity being in a Celtics game uh, that like really stands out? Like I remember Tom Brady was at a game, but this must have been like t- 2003. So like it was a big deal, but it wasn't like a big deal, you know? Um, and we walked right past him and 
I, I don't, I don't remember not being that starstruck, which now looking back feels stupid. I mean, at that time, it was pretty early, pretty early on. Um, yeah. Any memories of uh, a celebrity at the, at the Celtics game? I went to the Celtics versus Lakers game right before the pandemic. I was in a box and Snoop Dogg was at the game. Ooh. I, yeah. So that was, was that in Boston or LA? Uh, yeah, that was, no, that was in Boston. Okay. He didn't stay for too long. I think he might've only stayed up until the third quarter and then he was out. Um, but Snoop Dogg was at the game. That's crazy. That was crazy to me. That is, I, I like that a lot. It's I, We've talked about this before. It's funny when you see the athletes, obviously you're starstruck, but like the context makes sense. But then when you see someone you're not expecting, it's like so much bigger. Um, so you're, you're a pretty big part of the Boston music scene. Um, I want to ask you, Boston's hip hop scene has had bits and spurts, but at least in my lifetime, you know, it's never really taken off except for at the local level. Um, can you give us a status report as you see it on Boston's hip hop scene? Yeah, we up and coming. Now's a great time to be from the town, to be from the city. Um, there's a lot of talented people coming out of the state, coming out of the city. Um, like you mentioned Stiz, Bia, uh, Millie's, uh, Trotty Wide Jizzle, um, man, the Van Buren kids, that's from Brockton. Um, there's so much, so much energy. Oompa, she's dope. She's from Roxbury. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a great time just to be from the town. That's what I will say. I feel like a lot of the work and a lot of the hurdles that, um, and a lot of the down things that, things that work against us that we've been going, going through or working towards the past for the past decade or so is, is finally starting to pay off for everybody right now. So that was a great time. So let me ask you this. If, if you're somebody who lives in Boston, what's the easiest way to get into the scene? I mean, other than look up the people I mean, you first, listed, but. First, you got to be good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> first, you got to be good. No, no, I just mean as a listener. I just mean as, yeah, not, oh, as a listener. Um, yeah, like what's the best place to see a show? You, I'll, what's the I'll best? Start you, I'll start you off here. So there's a playlist that's ran by uh, people of our Spotify. It's mm-hmm. a it's a New England uh, center playlist, but the majority of, of the artists are from Boston or from Massachusetts and uh, Rhode Island as well. But that would be a great entry point for you. All the artists are there, um, and some of their best records are there. All right. And um, what if I wanted to find your music? My music on all streaming platforms. I'm Avenue Boulevard on Instagram, um, on Twitter, uh, Avenue on Spotify. Um, I recently released a tape called Brownstones 2, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, a sequel to Brownstones 1, which I dropped at the top of last year. And I got a lot of good things coming up, Boston calling on the way. So, nice. Any venues you want to shout out? Venues. Ah. Uh, Shout out Crib PVD. That's right outside of that's right outside of Boston and Rhode Island. Um, Middle East, just for housing mm-hmm. hip hop for the past decade. Shout out the Leeds. Um, because you know, he kind of kicked over help contributed to us kicking down the door. Um, Big Night Live is one of my favorite venues. That's dope. I just performed there not too long ago. Uh yeah, that's it right there. All right, cool. Well, shout out Slaves. Slaves. It's a it's a uh it's a uh, Slade Soul Food spot. It's in the neighborhood. I'm really good friends with the owners and the management, the people that, that work and run that spot. If you ever get a chance, go check it out. Amazing Wings, Amazing Soul Food. And a quick history fact, uh, Bill Russell opened it up. I was just going to ask that. Yeah, Bill Russell opened it up back in the day. So, Cool. Um, I want to ask, we'll close, we'll do some Celtics predictions, but 
forgive me, I forget what the name of the music video is, but I know that you have a video where you're wearing a Bruins jersey. Actually, a bunch of people are Bruins yeah, jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you watching it all or you just represent the city? Um, I'm not too, I don't follow hockey too, too much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of the guys that I'm around and work with, they keep me in tune as far as like what's going on right now. I know it's not looking too great for us right now, but I'm expecting that we can turn this around. Hey, I think at the time of this recording, it's 2-2 for them as well. Yeah, I was talking to a colleague I was talking to about basketball. And then I was like, and the Bruins! And his, he was just like, I don't know. <laughs> you're on the radar, you're out. I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, I was in... And we'll, we'll get back to Celtics in a quick... In a sec. I was in LA for my sister's wedding. And my mom's friend was like, oh, we got to watch the Bruins. I was like, I don't think they're going to be on. Like, I, I don't know that you could just find that. Um all right, so back to the Celtics, because this is the Celtics lab, not the Bruins lab. Um, Avenue, we'll get you out of here on this. Predictions for the series. Predictions for the season. Let's do it. To be honest, I, I think this series is going to go to seven. I think we, we're definitely – I agree with Justin. We're going to blow them out next game. Um, they might steal one uh, for the TV ratings. Um, when we get back to Milwaukee, I feel like we still game seven. Another right. blowout. Well, it might be a close one. I say game seven – by six we'll win by six you know what i'm saying six or more and then while you're feeling yourself how far did the Celtics go i can see them getting to the finals man if you get past milwaukee i can see i could definitely see you get to the finals and i'm not mad at whatever matchup we will face coming out of the west alex justin i think it's going to be a tight series uh i'm not sure about the blowout in game five i think that it's the bucks are going to swing back pretty hard but all that being said I like the season six. I've always liked the season six. And the reason I like the season six is because we haven't had the big Jason Tatum game yet. And the big Jason Tatum game is coming. And I think it's going to be on the road to close them out in Milwaukee. Um, And then as far as how it goes, I think the winner of this series, regardless of who it is, Celtics or Bucks is going to win the Eastern conference flat out. I just think that these are the two best teams in the East uh, and I, I think there's a path for both of them to win. I don't want to disrespect the Bucs. They're a really good team. But um, I think that if the Celtics win the series, they're winning the Eastern Conference. And as far as their opponents in the West, I mean, we'll see. I think that there are some promising matchups, particularly against Phoenix and Golden State. I don't know that Dallas has the juice to get out of the Western Conference. In some ways, they might be the team I'm the most afraid of out West just because of how brilliant Luca is. But mm-hmm. I like our chances against any of them, to be honest. All right. And JQ, run the horn. Uh, I don't really disagree with too much about what Alex just said, other than I think that the reason why there's going to be a blowout is because we haven't had that Jason Tatum game. And if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in TD Garden, particularly if they continue working with that small ball lineup that was giving him more space to score late in the last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think that both Philly and Miami are pretty banged up and they may get more banged up before they finish the series. So I think there's a very good chance that whoever emerges from this series, I also think Celtics in seven. Uh, Beyond that, I think that whoever ends up coming out of the West is going to be pretty formidable, but possibly also banged up. So maybe more than any playoffs I can remember in a long time. Sorry about that dog. Uh, (laughs) The dog loves uh, the Celtics. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just like, it's going to be a war of attrition as it always is, but particularly so this season uh, with the exceptionally physical play, which the NBA needs to do something about. We can talk about that more shortly. 
Good segue. So, uh, humble listeners, I'm going to swing my attention to Justin because he wrote a piece on uh, officiating in the NBA. But first, Avenue, again, where can we find your music? Uh, Avenue on all streaming platforms. Brownstones one and two out now. EPs, three track EPs, quick listens, solid listens. Um, and, you know, keep up with the social media. Avenue Boulevard, that's spelled A V E N U E, Boulevard abbreviated, so B L V D on um, on all social media platforms. And if you ever need merch, man, shop91.com for all uh, Avenue and Where I Speak Life merch as well. Shop91.com written out in full. Thanks, love it. Uh, any stuff you got in the pipeline with vis-a-vis the Celtics or as of now, not yet. yet. As of now, not yet. You know what I'm saying? I would love to catch another game. I went to the Hornets game, brought my son. It was my son's first Celtics game. He's a big LaMelo fan. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So we might do a playoff game. Might try to get him to a playoff game. But I don't want to go too deep in this. How old is your son? Uh, he'll actually be eight on Friday. Oh, first of all, congrats to him. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated in the generation that like truly isn't that intensely like allegiant to their hometown. Because <laughs> growing up, I mean, I, I liked other players, but you, like I had to like the Celtics. Yo, my um, son knows basketball. You might have to have him on hand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could call him in here. He's in a room. I, yo, he'll talk basketball with you all day. He, he's his IQ is pretty high. Fellas, I think we have our offseason guest already lined yeah. up. <laughs> All right. Well, happy birthday to him. Um, go thank Hornets, you. I guess. And um, Avenue, thanks for stopping by. Uh, uh, thank you for having okay. me. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Uh, hey, if if the Celtics win the title, we'll have all our guests back on. Just big party. So we'll talk to you soon, I hope. Count me in. Count me in. We don't run away from team. We run through them. Now everyone's starting to believe. What we've known all along. Tatum spins and it's Our time. They counted, it's over. Is now. The Boston Celtics have swept the Brooklyn Nets. Enjoy this one right now. Get ready for the next one. We wanted the two seed. And this is why. It's our home court. Let's take their advantage. Home court advantage against the defending champs. We've been here before. Now it's time for round three. To be the best, you simply got to beat the best. <laughs> and we ain't running from that. Cool. Thanks again to friend of the podcast, Avenue. Everyone check out everything he's done and um, give him a follow on whatever social platform is your favorite. While you're at it, go ahead and follow Celtics Lab on Twitter or like and subscribe to our podcast. That makes a huge difference. And if you see fit, leave a review. That's That's really tops for content creators. Speaking of content creators, uh, Justin, you write over at Celtics Wire. I hope our listeners know that. And kind of because, not because you had to, but because the moment is really asking for it. You you wrote a little bit about refereeing that we've been seeing in the NBA, which uh, depending on your positionality is somewhere between not good and flagrant, no pun intended. Um, so let me swing to you to kind of give us a... Uh, a peek into what you were thinking and kind of what you wrote and we'll go from there. Well, there has been way, 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 way. I cannot say the word way too much as much as Marcus Smart was saying big about Al last night. Uh, Too much talk about officials. Officials should not be part of the conversation and definitely not 
during the, the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. They should be doing the job. And if they're doing their job, then we might not like it, but the issue really more than anything else is consistency. When I say consistency, I don't just mean in-game, which is the most important kind of consistency because players need to know how a game is going to be called in order to play in it without racking up tons of fouls or getting texts and getting into fights and all that kind of fun stuff. But what we've been seeing is not only changes, you know, like, let me back up a little bit. So in these playoffs, even in this season, we have seen things that were supposedly league mandated uh, that have since crept their way back into the way the games are being officiated. We have seen the start of the playoffs begin with uh, too many whistles to the point where people are writing articles about how it is at historic or near historic levels of, of uh, plays being being called fouls yeah. in, this, in this postseason environment. And then in the second round, it completely flipped the other way where a, a higher level of physicality than we've seen probably since like the 1990s uh, became predominant, not just in the Celtics series, but in all the series basically that are still going on. Uh, we saw like the, the, the Brooks and Gary Payton Jr. Uh, issue, then like the complete, oh, we lost it for a second. Um, we saw the- I just, I just sneezed, sorry for the YouTube oh, crowd. <laughs> gross, we wanted to watch. Anyway, um, we saw we saw the whole um, Ja and and pool thing where uh, he supposedly tried to injure him and people talking about breaking codes, but in both directions. And mm-hmm. all of this is a product of inconsistent refereeing. What we're really seeing here is Giannis Antetokounmpo being able to smack people in the face. Uh, Brian Windhorse on uh, the Hoop Collective today suggested that the Celtics players should stop flopping so much. Uh, I don't know how you flop with that man coming at you and hitting you in the face in the process. Uh, yeah. Like you can't really fake getting hit in the face, even if you uh, well, put your I, face in the way. <laughs> I thought Giannis kind of faked getting hit in the face against Al Horford on that dunk. Yeah. That was just coming down. I mean, like if it's a foul, fine. But then what he does is also a foul. I just, fine. I, I got to jump in here yeah, and go ahead, say, man. with regard to uh, Brian Windhorst, Brian Windhorst is a really talented NBA journalist, and I want to give him uh, all the praise that he deserves for that. But Brian Windhorst has also ca- been carrying a flagrantly anti-Celtics bias for like 20 years now. Just got to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting. I'll play devil's advocate insofar as I really don't think it's interesting or particularly productive to talk about the ref by name. Um, There are some dramatic trends about outcomes vis-a-vis certain refs. Certain refs call games in different ways, the way MLB umpires have different reputations. And the league is aware of that, of course. They have decision-making power there. But to your point, Justin, that the refing is the story is a problem when this is sports entertainment product. And I do think that, first of all, it's hindsight bias and confirmation bias when such and such a ref does this and suddenly we have, I mean, these just aren't rich data pools. Um, Like I said earlier, yes, a Scott Foster game, a lot of whistles went against the Celtics. The Celtics were playing like orchids for three quarters of the game. So of course they didn't get that many foul calls. Yes, things were inconsistent. Yes, uh, Giannis's arms are like he's Inspector Gadget and it's hard to, officiate that. Um, 
but I do think it's really in vogue in this postseason. Uh, I think the Intelligista of the NBA is really worried about the number of whistles and that trickles down into the average fan going galaxy brain with like, oh, it's a conspiracy and it's rigged and blah, blah, blah. I think the NBA maybe greases the wheels a little here and there, but it would be a, an unbelievable scandal and quite illegal to patently throw games. I mean, the sports books would have to be in on it. The cable champs would have to be in on it. The league and the union would have to be in on it. Like the conspiracy theorists need to chill out because the refing is first and foremost the problem, but the way that the fans are interacting with that refing is also reasonably toxic. Just saying the whistleblower podcast is really good and will reveal some very unsavory things about the Tim Donahue scandal, and other things like that. I don't mean to go full conspiracy theorist on you, Cam, but I do think that um, there is a little bit more there than maybe uh, we're giving credit for, so to speak. Like there, This has been a real problem and the league has frankly not done a good job addressing the stigma or the story around it. And on the, and what this kind of logically leads to, I think, is that a lot of this goes away if the league simply introduces some public accountability measures for refereeing. Um, and they don't have a great incentive to do that right now, I think, in large part because of um, the fact that basically you can write off a bunch of fans who are concerned about this as being like, oh, you're just a kooky conspiracy theorist about the rest, blah, blah, blah. blah. But no, if, if they want the story to go away and increasingly, I think more and more people learning the refs names and understanding the way that they call games is going to be a problem. If they want that story to go away, the logical standpoint is not, I don't think it's to necessarily like tell the conspiracy theorist you need to shut up. It's that the league needs to introduce some real accountability for refs that call the game a certain way, explain why they call the game a certain way, and potentially introduce some sort of review process for officials to make sure that there is a standard for how they call those in. games. So th this exists. It does exist. And the problem is it's completely opaque. Teams have some idea of how this review process is. Uh, if you check out that piece that I wrote, um, should be up on Celtics Wire now. There is a great article by, I can't remember his first name, Dutton from 538.com that discusses this review process with the league and how there is actually a really complex and comprehensive system that referees get trained starting in the G League, working their way up to regular games. And if they are graded consistently as quality they get the higher profile games the national tv games they progress on from that on to playoff games on to for the rounds of the playoff games and pretty much everyone who is in the playoffs is at least good enough to be a crew chief for a regular game there are three different sets of criteria that i'm way too tired to reproduce for you in this context mm -hmm. like trustworthily so go ahead check that article out if you want to know more about it but one of the biggest complaints and this isn't just from the fans this is also from the teams is they want to know like the the, the league has told us that if you have consistent complaints about like if you consistently call games wrong you will be demoted or let go from NBA refereeing, right? So there is accountability, and at least in the eyes of the NBA, these games are being called as they should be often enough at this level, but 
that isn't enough for teams. Teams want to know more. And let me just say that their solution, as is what seems to be our solution, is the same. It's just sunlight, transparency. I mean, I think that that's also, it's consistent in every sport. I mean, Major League Baseball has been talking about automating umpiring for as long as that has been technologically feasibly possible, right? Every season, the NFL, week in and week out, we have to talk about what the hell is a catch, what isn't a catch. And for some reason, uh, you can watch the U.S. Open, and in a millisecond, they have this like HD video of a tennis ball hitting a line. But for somehow in the NFL, it's just like an old man has to like pick up the ball and put it down again. Uh, hockey, no one knows what a cross check is anymore. So I think refereeing has always been part of the story and it wanes and waxes whether or not it's the story. And I think right now is a moment where it is the story. And Alex, I mean, I disagree about the conspiracy thing. I mean, this isn't the 1919 White Sox. I mean, Tim Donahue seems like a nut. And one instance of uh, evidence there doesn't suggest to me that the 2022 second round NBA playoffs. There's a massive financial incentive for the league to not have even the appearance of this, but and Oddly why enough. is Scott Foster still a referee? Well, here's <laughs> the thing, okay? If you are calling a game tight, and this is my own personal theory. This is not based on anything. I've talked to you guys about it in, in private chats. My theory about this is certain referees who are known to call the games very, very tight, they, and they don't let things go, are given these higher profile games when they do want to extend a series. This is not cheating, this is an interpretation of the rules that is very strict that results in lots of free throws, which are a high percentage shot, hopefully for both teams that are not stupid enough to have the wrong players on the floor. So in those situations, it creates a higher degree of teams being able to stay close and in close games, a lesser team can win. I mean, uh, I think I, I don't want to go full conspiracy theory. Like I said before, I think that um, there's reasonable doubt that you can cast on a lot of the claims that have been made in like the full on like the NBA's rigged argument for sure. I do think it's weird that um, Scott Foster is known to have been a, let's put it lightly, a person of interest with regard to the Tim Donahue scandal and the fact that he received hundreds of phone calls from Tim Donahue in advance of games. That's weird. That's objectively weird. And nobody has offered a credible explanation for why that is a thing. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's friends with a coworker. Yeah, I think Tim Donahue probably called lots of people. Mm, um, okay. Also, I would hazard that Scott Foster is a member of a union and a tight union and a powerful union at that. And he's one of the most seasoned people, um, one of a dozen of whom can actually do his job. So he kind of has to appear um, in the same way that Ed Hockley like ran the NFL ref guild for a while or, and Angel Hernandez is still employed. Um, it's a little bit of nepotism. It's the same reason Brad Stevens got his job. I mean, these are not super fair institutions. Um, so I guess we all disagree on the level of conspiracy here. Um, I am of the mind that uh, it's one of the hardest jobs on the planet and we have the benefit of HD replays and they do not. Um, we have the benefit of a static television angle and they do not. Um, and they have the benefit of being bad at their job and still being employed sometimes. So um, we can move on, but I, I would encourage people to read Justin's piece. And I think regardless of our stance on how much wiggle the room there is for the integrity of refing. We can agree that right now it is the story and it ought not be because this is 
sports entertainment, different from WWE, which is scripted, not fake. Um, all right, let's close out a few more moments talking about the Celtics and the actual basketball because now we're part of the problem. Um, any last second thoughts on game four before we talk about game five? Yeah. How are we feeling about Robert Williams coming back in this series? Because, oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, okay, so I was really worried, as we all probably were when we got the news. Since hearing with Doka, since poking around on the internet, I, I'm a lot more confident, particularly now that he's listed as questionable. But do we want him to come back? I mean, is there, I mean, like, in this series, do we want him maybe to only come in if they to pull a Daniel to be the new Daniel Tice and, and have Grant and Al be the main guys here? Go ahead. Um, uh, yeah, we want Rob Williams to come back um, for the following reasons. One, Daniel Tice doesn't have it. No. He's got six fouls, he's a big body, um, but they're playing him like he is the Daniel Tice of old. He just, he doesn't fill that role. Um, he's not and it's freedom, but... But they he, played him 11 minutes in this last game, and if this was what we were doing with Rob, I think that would be okay, right? But I um, don't know... Can I... I know this is the Celtics Lab podcast, but I just I have to emotionally feel this. John Moran is out for the playoffs. Okay. A bone bruise on his knee. Um, is that real? Uh, McMahon tweeted it, and Woj just retweeted it. That's Oh, God. Oh man, that's terrible news. Jeez. Yeah, the the, the other story of this playoff. Well, I, mean, I, I don't think Jordan Poole did it then because I don't think you can give someone a bone bruise by grabbing it. So I, I'm pretty sure it's that the right play way. that it happened on was actually John Morant trying to close out on a three and landing awkwardly. I think the pool yeah. reach may have aggravated it a little bit, but I think the actual injury itself happened on the closeout. God, I. Uh, I was talking to someone at the wedding. I really want Jaw to get stronger because I'm he's so freaking athletic that I, I just like I don't think it's safe for his joints. Yeah, take care of his body a little bit more too. Uh get some get some extra skill work in there so he doesn't have to throw himself at the basket so much. Man, Dang. Okay, so, sorry. I, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. No, it's totally, but... totally valid. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what we're talking about here with, with well, Rob. So okay, let me change my answer a little bit. Um, I was going to say, I don't think Daniel Tice is it. And as much as I love Al Horford, that he even rest, he needs some rest. And even three quarters of the game that we just saw might be an unreasonable expectation. I mean, that was an unbelievable game. Um, if Brooke Lopez is a little uh, more engaged, if Bobby Portis is a little more engaged, having a center down low will matter. And as we saw earlier in the series, Rob Williams was impressively good on defense against the Bucs. So Vis-a-vis the jaw news, I don't want to aggravate anything. I mean, going up against Bam or Embiid will demand Rob Williams play 20 minutes a game, if not 40 minutes a game. Um, but you have to close at the Bucks first. So I'm inclined to say if he can if he can play, he, he's got to play. Um, but I am weary of aggravating the injury because the, the soreness is in the same knee. Um, I, I think an important thing to consider here is if Rob Williams does play, how much will he play? Because I do think the Celtics have found something with this Derek White small ball lineup. And I am kind of of the opinion that their best chance to really close this series down is to spend a lot of time running lineups with smart Brown, White, Tatum, and insert big 
um, for that fifth spot. Obviously, Horford would be ideal. I think he's played better than any of the Celtics' other bigs throughout the playoffs. But I think the plan for the Celtics has got to be at least for the next couple of games until the Bucks kind of counter and adjust to it. They've got to go to that small ball lineup. And I think that that actually provides the Celtics an opportunity to maybe weave Rob back into the rotation in a manner that doesn't force him to play like a ton of minutes and put additional strain on that knee. If I think if they bring Robert Williams back, I think they might want to consider continuing to start Grant Williams and just bringing him off the bench in spurts, basically. I mean, yeah. they, they need to have one of Al or, or Grant out there at all times for Giannis, but I think with the small ball lineup, then you could kind of ease Rob back in. I think maybe, you know, wrong kind of doctor for this uh, observation, but trying to play him 20 minutes a game uh, and pushing him even with the intention of playing him more in the series, uh, even even not from a medical perspective of it being too much, which I kind of wonder if it was given the irritation. Again, I have no idea. Uh, but he just wasn't very good facing up against against uh, Giannis in this. Not that anyone is, but he was particularly bad. Yeah, Giannis was, was hunting him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe we play him mostly in the non-Giannis minutes. Uh, if they have any more of them, I don't know what, what the adjustment's going to be going forward. But yeah, uh, Rob was good as a help defender, but not one on one. So sort of sta- reverse staggering him against Giannis, and then always pairing him with Horford might be doable. Um, yeah, I ha- I we won't get into it now. One thing that I'm curious about for Game Five, speaking of adjustments, Justin is. Udoka said as such that the Bucs, I mean, we all know this, the Bucs are giving the Celtics the three-point shot. That is, they're playing intense drop defense and they're playing with math. I wonder if that'll hold um, because the Celtics seem so willing to try to exploit that. And with Tatum, with Brown a little bit, um, even with Dark White and Smart, their drive and kick uh, really takes advantage of that drop defense. So the, the open threes that are there by design are like extra open. Um, and we kind of put to bed the shtick that Mike Budenholzer doesn't make adjustments, but that's a massive, massive adjustment. I wouldn't expect that unless they were facing elimination. Uh, I mean, there's a defending the champions, (laughs) but going back to Boston for a game five is a big deal. I mean, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll talk about this next time we record perhaps Thursday and we can revisit whether or not they ought to do something. Um, I did. I really liked how the Celtics changed their defense and then changed it back. I thought that was very admirable and very effective. Um, I don't know that the Bucs are that kind of team, but we'll see. Um, Any other game five thoughts? Hmm. Trying to think. Are there any other game five thoughts? I've got a thought. Uh, I hope we win it. Yeah, Yeah, I I, 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 I definitely. Like seriously, what happens if we lose? Do we think that there's going to be? Panic? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the start to so. game four suggests to me that there will be panic. Um, the boogeyman from December and parts of January of the season still loom large in my mind. And I think in the mind of the Celtics, I think Jalen Brown had the yips. Um, he was like super efficient from the field, but when he wasn't right, he wasn't right. 
the fouls, I think, really threw him. The fact that he was in foul trouble so early. I do think one thing that the Celtics have to be prepared for is a generational Giannis game. Like they have to be ready for that because there's a chance that with the Bucks in this series 2-2, now it's uh, a road series for them there's a real chance that they're going to play Giannis like 48 minutes in game five. And so they've got to be prepared for that. Yeah. It's it's fascinating the way that the schedule has worked because now we've got Wednesday, Friday, Sunday games, five, six, and seven. So they don't have any extended rest, but I don't know what else, what other cards the Bucks have to play. Um, So yeah, the, the, the thought I have going to game five, we're deep enough into the YouTube video that I can say this without being demonetized. I'm fucking pumped. I'm so excited to watch this game. I was so nervous to watch the other game, especially the way it started. The confidence is back. I also think that Jason Tatum is going to have that 50 burger. We've been, we've been marinating for all this time. Um, so yeah, that's my high level analysis is not as a Celtics fan, just a basketball fan. I'm fucking pumped for this game. And I hope the listeners are fucking pumped and we'll catch you afterwards, hopefully with lots of smiles and uh, excited blood, or if not, we'll, we'll be sad, but we'll talk about it either way. So uh, like and subscribe to never miss an episode of this wonderful podcast. Thanks again to Avenue. Thanks again to betonline.ag. Thanks again to my friends, Justin and Alex, and we'll see you next time. Disease.